What's good, guys? It's your host, Adrian Evans. Welcome to the Black Wealth Media Podcast, where we dive into the stories of black entrepreneurs and we talk about how we can create wealth and build legacy within the black community. Let's get into this episode. Today's episode is sponsored by SC Cosmetics. SE Cosmetics is a brand that was created by Samari Evans, a certified chemist. The brand consists of natural makeup products such as lip balms, eyeshadows, lipsticks, lip scrubs, and many other natural products. Shop at secosmetics.com or come visit in-store at 3710 Renoda Road, Winston-Salem, NC 27106. Yo. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, what's up, Tony? Can you hear me? Yo. Tony, can you hear me? One second. TikTokers especially. I mean, it was obviously like a, like a marketing move and good for her, but like she's not wrong. Imagine. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. That's what's up. That's what's up. All right, we are in here. Let's get it. All right. Sound good? Yes, sir. Okay. Cool, All right. cool. All right, guys. Welcome to the Black Wealth Media Podcast. I'm your host, Idra Nevins, guys. Here I have Tony Smith. He's actually a serial entrepreneur of multiple businesses. Uh, Tony, can you uh, go into detail about that and give us a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, for sure. So um, for me, I, I have multiple businesses. Uh, I've got two event spaces in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. And my main business uh, deals with apparel. So with apparel, I started out in college just making T-shirts for people on the college campus at the University of Tennessee. Um, I pledged Alpha Phi Alpha in fall 2010. And my main reason starting the T-shirts at that point was I just thought that like Greek apparel was so basic and I wanted to make a change. And I started a brand called Letters Greek Apparel. So I ran that brand for... uh, few years um it probably did about like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in revenue so yeah that was pretty cool and then um but you had to deal with a lot of licensing and stuff like that with that type of brand and i kind of just you know in business you go through ups and downs and i have fell on hard times mainly due to like i don't know if a lot of people know this but with facebook my ad account had got disabled so it kind of like disrupted my business yeah then um and it, it started at that point, which caused me to spiral down in a sense of like having to reach out for like loans that weren't the best loans. Yeah. So that involves your PayPal loans, your cash advance loans, all of that. But the beauty is what birthed out of that is the brand that I operate today that I, I love so much more. It's called Historically Black Apparel. And the reason why I love that brand so much more is because when I was dealing with Greek apparel, you know, that was the foundation. So I don't discredit it at all, but I was only dealing with a really small niche inside of the black community. Mm. But now it's the fact that I'm able to touch like everybody in the black community. So I still have some Greek apparel on there, but now I'm making shirts that cater to, um, you know, our civil rights leaders, Malcolm, uh, Angela Davis, Martin Luther King, but also the fun stuff that's reaching, you know, like, black women that has like you know melanin shirts melanin popping black girl magic just a bunch of stuff that really just makes it real fun 
to connect with our community. And I also feel like with now it's like the good that comes out of it because now I can create awareness and then just push the black voice through Carol. Right. So that's that's what that's a nutshell of kind of where I'm at today and what I'm doing. Okay, that's solid, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, now, question like, what like if you don't mind me asking, like, why did your Facebook um, ads account shut down? Okay, so yeah, in business, uh, what a lot of people don't know is like Facebook is. We all know they're a major company, but it doesn't matter if you're spending spending a dollar or ten million dollars. They'll shut your account down. Um, if stuff doesn't go right, because they're not truly looking at your ad dollars as, you know, like they don't truly need it. They're such a big company. So there's something called a Facebook quality score. So with a Facebook quality score that deals with your ad account. So Facebook will send out surveys to people who have, um, clicked through their ads purchased and ask how your service is. And a lot of times in this world that we live in, people are so accustomed to an Amazon, um, you know, type of delivery. And even ourselves, myself, who runs an e-commerce store, like I love getting my packages in two days. But that's not truly realistic for all the majority of small-owned, small businesses, because a lot of times we're making our products in-house. You know, there's cash flow issues different issues that just happen to all businesses, but we don't have the resources to lose money. Like Amazon lost money for over 10 years to make people happy. You know what I mean? And it paid off well for them, of course. But a lot of times with these small businesses, it's not that the businesses are scams. It's not that the businesses are fakes. They're they're actually probably working harder than a lot of people and countless hours to get people's packages out. But when that happens, you have People jumping in the comments, you know, oh, don't shop here, scam business. And then other people who order get scared and it kind of starts a trickle effect. So then when that starts Mm. a trickle effect and they send that survey out, your Facebook uh, quality score lowers. Once you get below, if you haven't been running ads for a year, once you get below a two, you get a penalty. If you have been running over a year, you can go to a one. But after that penalty, they'll still run your ads if you're under a one. Um, no, no, if you're like lower than a two, but it's going to cost you more money to run your ads because now they're showing them to fewer people. So you're spending more. It's like a slap on the wrist. But then once you hit that one, your Facebook account is disabled. So that happens to a lot of businesses because it's just, I mean, it's a challenge that the businesses have to get through not to get to that point. But I don't think a lot of people know, like all the bad comments and stuff definitely like is a killer for small businesses. And, and, uh, and yeah, so that was just that trickle effect that I learned from. So now my business is all about processes, you know, not saying that we don't mess up every now and then, but the processes is just super important to being successful in business. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so, you know, with that, with the ad account being shut down, um, do you have to make like, does it have anything to do with your profile? Like, can you make a new profile and make a new ad account or like, how does that work? Sometimes you can. So there's different, uh, different parts to it. So either you're just like a, a page could get shut down that's on your ad account. So then when that happens, um, you could just start a new page or whatever. So you have to kind of start over, but sometimes that's not the biggest thing because most people are just clicking through the ad. 
But the bad thing is when the profile that that business manager account is linked to, like let's say Tony Smith, you are anything attached to your profile, you're no longer allowed to run ads for. So oh. a lot of times if you talk to like ad people who are well versed in it, they'll say, hey, you know, create one ad account under a profile. Then like if you had another account when you was like in high school or your wife or something, just have it in the cut just in case yeah. something ever happens as like an insurance plan for your um for your ads because you know it does it just kind of sucks it's a bittersweet thing because facebook is so big they own facebook they own instagram it is kind of monopolized so i don't know if anyone has seen when they were talking about you know they want facebook to sell instagram because it's like really think about that like you can't advertise on facebook and instagram i mean you got google you got pinterest but none of them right. hit the same like facebook exactly. and instagram so quick you know so definitely a big issue, but there's always, you know, beauty on the other side. And that's how I started Historically Black Apparel from that gotcha. downfall right there. Okay, okay. Um, so, you know, I noticed when you were talking, man, you said you kind of went down in a little spiral. Mm -hmm. um, talk about how you kind of maneuver through that, um, you know, mentally, physically, whatever aspect it affected. Definitely. So... I like to use that situation. It was about a year long downfall of not just like I'm just spiraling out of control, but it's just a cause and effect that happens with a lot of e-commerce businesses, even some like huge brands that are my friends that I've seen. Um, what? Because the thing with e-commerce is easy to scale too fast because you can just keep dumping ad spend, fueling the fire. And Facebook even says that like, you know, don't, scale faster than you can because you know if you get these bad comments with bad shipments we're not gonna just say hey we're so happy that you scaled from our product we're gonna keep you going they're just gonna ding you like i said so what happens in e-commerce a lot is you have all these cash advance loans through your merchants because they see the revenue coming in so you've got paypal you've got shopify loans um then you can you know the loan sharks you can reach out to all them and say hey i'm doing fifty thousand a month sixty thousand a month but that's revenue that's not profit and then you get into these easy loans and then they're just like oh yeah two hundred dollars a day but let's really add that up two hundred dollars a day times five business days is thousand a week four thousand dollars a month that's a serious loan that just yeah. eat cash flow killing eat away all your operational expenses type loan so now that i've got out of got myself out of all that debt and that stuff i like to teach people who are in e-commerce and other areas like how not to go down the black hole of e-commerce um and then what part of the question am i missing because i know like i love t telling people i was basically asking like you know how were you able to maneuver through that uh, I mean, I think you're on point. I, I was just asking how you were able to maneuver through that mentally, physically, or, you know, whatever aspect that situation affected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, like, I just, like, I'm not a quitter by any means. So it's always, like, in life throws you, you know, obstacles, and you have to figure out how to get around them. So at that point, like, the first thing that I had to do is hire, like, uh, an accountant, because I had to figure out um, what really were my operational expenses for the week, you know, how much I could budget for staff um, and then, uh, you know, factor in the amount of money I was paying in loans. There is one point in loans. I was paying ten thousand dollars a month in loan payment. Wow. Right. And didn't even know 
That's a lot. Didn't even know it. My mom was like on me about it when she figured out, like, I raised you better than this, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and she said, write it on paper how much you owe. And I ne- I didn't know it was this much. And it was $10,000 a month in loans. Yeah. Once you factor in, like, I was doing business for about four years. Um, revenue was strong because of the e-commerce sales. And then, you know, once the Facebook ads disabled me, a lot of revenue was gone. So I was still kind of, in a sense, operating my business in that same lifestyle, five, six employees, all that stuff. And then, you know, paying rent. I moved to Atlanta. My rent was $6,000 a month. I was in Midtown, really cool location right off Hout Mill. And um, it just all kind of came on me quick. So that's why now what I'm always preaching, I guess the way to say how do I remove maneuver through it is instead of digging myself into the black hole of e-commerce by just seeing a bunch of high revenue numbers and getting lost in them i really had to uh get my processes together whether that was financially and operationally so financially that's where like you know the accountant came in and i'm not saying you have to get like an expensive account or nothing i got my boy from college that was an accountant i was like yeah i didn't okay. got it yeah up. i need you to watch my quickbooks for me and help me out you know what i'm saying like what bill can I pay for you? You know what I'm saying? $400 a month, whatever, you know, just to help me out so I can see this because, you know, his that $400 I was paying him actually helped me not lose as much as I was losing. So that was worth it. But then yeah. on the operational side, um, really creating processes that work for the business because I think what a lot of entrepreneurs probably have an issue with, which I had an issue with, was I'm a really cool guy. And, you know, like you had, not that I just had all my friends working for me, but it was so many times where I was just like too lax. And I was like, well, I know how to do it. I'll pick up the slack. I know how to do it. I pick, I'll pick up the slack. But what you got to be careful about in business is you could either own a job or you could own a business. And for so long, and I would still say, I'm still trying to get out of it to where it's like, it's great to own your job, but the goal is to own your own, to own your business. Just because you own it or whatever, owning a business is when you can look at it from the outside, put people in position, and it's somewhat passive for you. You may have to do some stuff, you know, like with my event business, that's such a blessing because there's a family that I, God blessed me with that I have found and they pretty much operate the whole entire event business. All I do is like little admin work from the computer. I'm really never even at the event spaces versus the t-shirt shop. I'm in here 40 hours a week. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I would say for entrepreneurs, the goal is always to own the business and not own the job. Mm. I think, I think that's interesting what you said about owning the business and not owning the job because um, I've, I don't know where I heard this, but, Somebody was talking about how you can leave a job and still have a boss. Like, say, so you you might be you might go to work for yourself and you might be hustling and grinding every day doing whatever business you're doing. Um, but there's no chance of you sitting down and being able to have money to still come in. You still have to work to get that money. So, like, it's like money is your new boss. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I think that was important what you said, man. Um, and that's just like, uh, you know, with, with scaling, um, from my perspective, like when you scale, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to be in the business. You can get out of the business and stop working on it or stop working in the business and start working on it. So I think that's important. Yeah. Cause with the scaling too, it's like, 
it's so easy to get caught up in revenue. And then yeah. it's like, like with all my experience, and that's why I love talking to people about, you know, like entrepreneurship, um, especially when it comes to e-commerce and stuff, because it's, it's a formula. You come up with some decent products, you know, make a great website. Um, if you have, you know, the starting capital to put into ads, especially if you find a good ads person, you get those ads going. And then next thing you know, especially like t-shirts, it's a quick, easy product to buy under $25. People are purchasing. Well, you keep putting fuel on the fire. You know, you're selling more shirts because you're like, oh, now instead of running, you know, um, $50 a day, I want to run $100 a day. Then I want to run $150 a day. So you're you're scaling up your spend. Your sales are coming in. But can you do you have the infrastructure to push those products out? And then what happens yeah. is you get so lost into that business with all that revenue coming in that you don't have the processes and infrastructure to retain the profit. And then when you don't have the infrastructure to retain the profit, the issue happens is you say, man, I cracked a hundred thousand this month, two hundred thousand dollars this month. But what do you have to show for it? You know what I'm saying? Because by the time you get all your products out, you're like, dang, I need I'm running out of money. I got to get a loan or something to, you know, keep this flowing. So it's like I would rather be that person, you know, doing forty thousand twenty thousand dollars in revenue a month that's retaining ten thousand dollars in my pocket versus the person doing a hundred thousand you know taking out a loan because they only got a thousand dollars left and three thousand orders to fulfill ouch that's mm -hmm. crazy that's crazy all right man so you know take me back man so what was it like uh you know growing up in knoxville tennessee okay yeah so knoxville tennessee was great growing up um you know, I had came from a good family. Uh, dad worked for the for the city. Mom worked for TVA, which is like the the whatever your power company is in your city. Um, went to all white schools up until high school. So when I got to high school, I went to all black schools. So that was definitely great having both exposures, and then you know just going through the culture shock when I first got to West High School in Knoxville um to did my four years there met a lot of friends really developed my personality um especially within my culture too you know just being african-american when i went to all black school yeah. um and then i even went to school to college in the same city the university of tennessee which would be the volunteers um that's where i pledged alpha phi alpha um i was the deuce on my line we had about there's nine of us on the line. Um, I played. I was the first one in my class to pledge too, so I pledged like freshman year. So I got in early. Okay. Yeah, and then, like, I love Knoxville until because when you're younger, you don't really realize that your city isn't that cool until like all your friends are gone. So then, once like after college that year after I graduated, by year two, everybody was gone to their new job back home wherever they went. And I was like, man, there's nothing to do here. I was just used to like yeah. my friends and stuff but excellent experience going to ut and just what well, you know like pledging alpha taught me a lot um i mean my pledge process i still kind of apply it to my life every single day but you know i was online for six months so what's up guys i hope you're enjoying the show if you are, I want you to take a screenshot of yourself listening and I want you to tag at underscore the Black Both Media Pod. That'll be a big help as far as getting the message out. Also, 
I want you to go ahead and leave a five-star review and go ahead and subscribe. And let's get back to the show. It was like, it was so difficult during the time, but then once it was over with, it was like, dang, that was it. So it really taught me that a lot of the struggles that we go through are mental because my pledge process, when you really look at how mental it was, it was 90% mental, 10% physical. So I apply that same 90, 10% to like my life. Like, you know, whether it's in business, when you're, you're going through the ups and the downs, you know, you got to figure out how to get through the hurdles. It's like, it's a mental game. So once you understand that you're only getting beat up about 10%, I knew that I had to like strengthen my mental to get through different obstacles in life so I can get to the success that I wanted. Mm, okay. Okay. Now, did you ever see, like, as you were, you know, going through school, did you ever visualize yourself being an entrepreneur? Um, I guess for me being an entrepreneur and not to like sound cloudy or anything, it just was so natural because I never was like you said, I never really labeled myself with titles. Like I started learning graphic design when I was 18 years old and I used Photoshop, Adobe Illustrator, you know, edit my own videos, all that stuff since I was 18. But I don't really call myself like a graphic designer. I just really know how to do it well. And then with entrepreneur, um, like I was just doing stuff that made me happy. You know what I'm saying? Like I just love when I was younger, I like taking stuff apart, putting it together. And I think I'm more so geared towards results. I love seeing results and progress. And out of that, that's where I think that entrepreneurial drive comes from. So when I was in college, I had worked internships. I worked at uh, HGTV in Knoxville as a graphic designer. Um, I did PR because that's what I majored in public relations. So I did a PR internship for Scripps Networks, which owned, owned at the time, like HGTV, uh, Great American Country Food Network, DIY. But now they're, they've been bought out by Discovery Channel. So I did that did graphic design for another company. I really wanted to get a job, you know, like, but no one hired me or whatever. And I think I was just really good at providing these big companies like the services they needed, but I just didn't fit the true corporate mold. So I didn't let that get me down. I was already selling t-shirts all through college. Um, What I was doing was a model I got an ebook about t-shirts and in in that book, I talk about this business model called contract screen printing. So with contract screen printing, what you do is you find a partner that is a screen printer and you pretty much develop a contract with them to exclusively send them business on a consistent basis. And in return, they give you great pricing. So if they race in town, churches, whatever, I would order the T-shirts, have them shipped directly from the the distributor to the screen printer. So let's say I got a Gildan T-shirt for $2. One color print would be $0.75. The setup charge would be $10. So if you ordered 100 shirts from me, you got $200 for your cost of goods and the T-shirt, $0.75 for um, the print. So that's $275. And then your $10 setup charge, which is... So now we're at 285 total. I had the cheapest prices in town because I was telling people you can get a one color T-shirt for five dollars. So to say if a company or whatever ordered T-shirts from me, I got 500, gave the screen printer his cut and the T-shirt supplier. So I was out of 285 and I was keeping the rest. And I did that all through college. Wow. Yeah. So with that, just doing that little hustle, 
I even entered business plan competitions, three of them to be exact, and I won $19,500 total in grand prize money while I was in college. And when they didn't give me any jobs, I just kind of started my own apparel business. And that's kind of what really led me to where I am because I was like, all right, well, now I'm in here. You know, like I've, I've invested myself with the prize money I've won, my time, sweat, everything. So I just never really looked back at that point. And I guess that's what God's plan was for me. That's mm-hmm. awesome, man. So, you know, tell me, like, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, what level do you have to be on mentally to kind of just be able to handle everything that's coming? Yeah, at you? yeah. So that's a great question, because a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we look at ourselves like, oh, I, I don't understand how anybody is an entrepreneur, you know, but you like you said, you have to be in the right mental space to be an entrepreneur, because the, the first step in being an entrepreneur is vision. So you got to be able to see something that other people don't see. And they'll probably tell you that that's not a great idea, but you got to see the vision because that's going to be your map to uh, get to where you need to go. So. You got to have that vision first, but then also using that vision to keep propelling you when things don't necessarily make sense. And then that next ingredient you have to have is the passion for what you do. If I didn't love what I did, it would make absolutely no sense to spend as much time as I spent on this apparel business, you know, to go through the months when I was losing money every single month. But because of the vision I had, I could always see the goal in front of me. And because I loved what I was doing, it wasn't necessarily about padding my pockets. I just was like, man, at the end of the day, if I make a certain amount of dollars this month, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. If I don't, at least I love what I'm doing and it makes me happy. So I think those are the things you had to have as an entrepreneur, because if you hated what you were doing, like you would just be wasting your time, you know, because being an entrepreneur is going to be long hours. You know, I, I go to work, I do the main functions of the job, and then I go home and I do like fun functions of the job, like designing new t-shirts and stuff. But in all actuality, it's kind of like you're always working, but it's okay just because I love doing what I'm doing. Mm. So you got to have that vision, passion, and love to create that drive that you need. That's facts, bro. Uh, you know, mm. and like, you know, since you are a serial entrepreneur, like how do you balance out, you know, your day? Like what's, what's a typical day like for you? So a typical day for me is I'm not really a morning person. I'm more of like the night owl. So um, I do have a staff, like I said, five people, but I get to work around 10, 30, 11. Um, My staff gets here around 8.30, between 8.30 and 11. So my first part of my day is always just like waking up. Uh, Phone is on do not disturb till 10, unless you're like on my favorites. So that includes like staff, the wife, parents. Um, so at that point, what I'm doing is I'm processing my whole day while I'm brushing my teeth, showering, um, I'm in the car. Um, after I walk the dog in the car, I'm listening to podcasts, been listening to your podcast this week, you know, getting my mind mental and stuff right. Then when I get to work, it's literally just like the essential functions of the business all till about five or six o'clock, sometimes seven. And then at seven gets off, that's kind of when I'm clocking out. And I'm just doing all the creative and fun aspects to the business. And the reason I set it up that day is because I'm like, okay, even though it's like my business or technically owning the job, right? It's like, I'm going to go to work and do my job. The, the, the part of the business that I have to do that I have to contribute to 
uh, make it run efficiently. And then in the evening time, since that's time when most people are off, you know, I still want to keep contributing to the progress and forward move my business. That's when I do all the fun stuff so that it's not as like cumbersome. It's like, all right, if I'm going to, you know, uh, work on like my email marketing and my Facebook ads and create new designs, that's what I'm doing at that point. But um, overall, the team is extremely important to have just because they're doing all the functions that I don't necessarily not that I don't care for them, but I'm just not want to do all the time. I want to put myself at the the highest value points of the business. And then, you know, the team that comes in, I want to put them in specialized positions to knock certain stuff out, whether that's the heat pressing of the shirt, um, the folding and bagging and the shipping. Definitely, man, because, you know, I feel like with that, like if you didn't have a team, man, you'd definitely be stretching yourself thin and, Mm -hmm. you know, probably driving yourself crazy you know what i'm saying so yeah and it's been at that point before where i was doing literally everything but um you can you have a limit you can only scale so far when you're doing stuff by yourself and then two it's like you just start looking at you know like does the money am i even making enough money for how much stress i'm going through like i'm trying to ship people's packages out people cussing me out in the dm saying where's their orders at? and i'm trying to make the brand be engaging on social media while making content and shooting videos that's a lot you know that is, yeah. i've done it before but i'm thank god i have the team now you know yeah yeah definitely definitely uh so you know man tell me like how you know how does one like say you have somebody that's they might be drawing you know how could they get into graphic design like you know what type of school would they have to go to um so like i said like a lot of people think when i went to university of tennessee like i went for graphic design i went to youtube university for graphic design oh, yeah okay. so literally the the best route that i would say if somebody did want to get into graphic design was I started out by, this is how even at work, this is how I train people. So if I'm training somebody how to screen print a t-shirt or how to like make something, I, I say bring in one of your own designs that you want to do. Because if it's something that you care about, you're going to put more attention into it. Mm, very true. So when it came to graphic design, when I was in college, I was also like, since I had started that when I was like 18, I was making party flyers for people um business cards but mainly i made party flyers for every concert that was coming to the city so what i would do was find a flyer that i liked and i would figure out how to mimic that flyer so i would say you know go on youtube how to remove background from image watch that video figure that out all right cool how to put gradients on your text how to uh you know, feather this design and put smoke behind it. I would just YouTube and watch tutorials on all of that stuff. And of course my graphics weren't amazing back then, but it's just like over time, just literally like, yo, I wanna make this. And once you make it, you're proud of it. You just keep learning little skills that way. Cause like when you just go to like a class, it could be very like monotone, boring. You're like, right, right. you don't wanna learn about. But if you're making something, and you're like, yo, I really, I just need to figure out how to get the background off. You're going to be attentive to understanding how to remove that background because now you need to figure out how to do this so you can get the solution you need. And that's pretty much how I learned graphic design over the years, just looking at stuff that I wanted to do, typing it in YouTube, watching, you know, three, four, five videos, practicing myself, and then 
that's how I got there. Facts, man. I, I think I think YouTube has, you know, they they to the point now you can literally learn anything. Anything. If you want to <laughs> learn how to do copywriting, if you want to learn how to create websites, man, you could go to YouTube and find all that. So yeah, that's, that's pretty dope, man. So tell me, man, like you know, where do you see, um, where do you see yourself going, you know, with business in the next uh, five years? Okay, so in the next five, my goal, pretty much in a nutshell, for the apparel business is I've always wanted a factory. Um, I've got a 5,000 square foot warehouse um, and it's getting closer to that point, but I've always just wanted a factory to where stuff, uh, really cool stuff that touched people, but I had an infrastructure to where when those orders came in the door, they were going out the door efficiently. So we're almost at that point now and to break that down so it makes even more sense, like something that I messed up on as starting a clothing brand was I wanted, you know, you go to these websites, Fashion Nova, Forever 21, yeah. all this stuff. You see, they got all these products. So a lot of times people mess up because they want to have all those products as well. Hats, jackets, T-shirts, leggings, you know, all of that stuff. But the thing is, do you truly have the infrastructure to supply all of that, to make all of that? And I didn't at the time, but I had, you know, I was like, oh, I got to get an embroidery machine now because I want to start doing hats. And then, oh, I got to get vinyl machines. So I had all this equipment that I still have. And it's like, sometimes I'm embroidering, sometimes I'm doing vinyl, sometimes I'm doing DTG. But the issue with that is it costs money to fulfill all these products, but the training of the employees. So now you are stuck in the business because you're the only one that really knows how to do all of this stuff. You know what I mean? It's hard to train people to know how to do vinyl, know how to do embroidery, know how to heat press, know how to screen print. So you got all these people not truly working at their fullest capabilities because they're all over the place. So when I used to hear businesses like, yeah, there's a guy that he only does stickers. I'd be like, why does he just do stickers? He could be doing so much more. But it's because his business at that point is focused so that's why now I only sell T-shirts. I don't sell hats, jackets, nothing. And I used to think that if I only sold T-shirts, I wouldn't make as much money. So now I'm only selling T-shirts and my T-shirts are actually $9.99 because I kind of followed like a God is dope model. And I'm selling more T-shirts than I've ever sold before. And we're getting more shirts out than ever before because now... Wow. Now the whole business is focused and it's like the training is so much easier. Like everyone knows how to do every function because it, it's all like a perfect symmetry now. Um, so a couple stats just to make it relative, we shipped out and of course I'm not the biggest. I got friends like my best friends that support black college. So they're way bigger than me. But yeah. Like um, we shipped out 1,012 packages last week. So that's 20, about 2,600 t-shirts we shipped out last week. Um, and then in a month, we're shipping out about 9,000, little under 10,000 t-shirts a month. Whoa. And I'm like, it's crazy because I'm like, we're moving so many shirts now, way more shirts. Like I probably used to move, you know, five to 600 shirts a month, like, yeah. back in the day selling shirts at $25. But then I wanted to test that um, lower price point, higher volume model. It's been really great for me. Um, I built processes all around that. And 
And yeah, so it's like that's where we are today. And that's that's a blessing for sure. Just to be able to see see that, but you definitely have to have an infrastructure for it and the process. Yeah. That's solid, bro. That's definitely a blessing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, my, my last question to you, man, you know, how can people uh, you know, I guess if they if they got questions or anything, like how can they find you on social media or like how can they contact you through email? Got you, got you. So um they can always hit me up on instagram at tuned in tony so t-u-n-e-d-i-n-t-o-n-y um i just dropped the ebook that's t- telling everybody about the t-shirt game it's called the t-shirt game it goes over all the different business models um of generating income through apparel t-shirt game no my bad t-shirt game book.com yes yeah, it is so t-shirt game book.com um, and then, yeah, just reach out to me through uh, Instagram. So a lot of people that purchase the book, I always send them an email about a week or two afterwards, following up with them, because I don't want people to just purchase from me. And then there's just like, that's it. Like, I kind of want to make sure people so that they are getting the best value out of anything that I'm selling to them or, you know, just so they're being successful. Like I was listening to a podcast today, uh, Grant Cardone, and he said the greatest um piece of wealth is being able to help others so that that's kind of also how I am like you know it's fun doing stuff by yourself but it's like you don't want to just wear the crown by yourself you know you want to be able to help people and see them win as well so uh hit me up on Instagram for sure and then I got a community number too if anybody wants to text me so that number is 404 737-0794. Y'all could text me at any time and I'd be glad to help you with any of your e-commerce needs that you got. All right, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Oh, yeah. No problem. Appreciate it. Uh, shout out to Black Wealth Media Podcast. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, man. I hope you guys were able to, you know, I, I say this all the time. I hope you guys were able to, you know, take some notes, man. This guy was definitely giving a lot of game. Um, I hope y'all were able to learn something. Um, and again, y'all, we're going to get up out of here. Again, I had Tony Smith. Um, I'm your host, Adrian Evans. And, you know, this is the end of the episode. Peace. Peace. What's up, guys? It's me again. So tell me. What did you think about the show? I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I would love for you to take a screenshot and tag at underscore the Black Wealth Media Pod and share this on your Instagram stories with your friends. That would be very appreciated. Also, go inside the podcast app to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and a five-star review. This helps us get the message across all over the world so more people can listen. On top of that, I really do hope you guys enjoy the show and I'll see you next week on the Blackwell Media Podcast.